Now more with Frank Gaffney. We're back, and we are joined by Grant Newsom, a senior fellow of the Center for Security Policy, I'm very pleased to say. He is also a research fellow at the Japan Forum for Strategic Studies. He has a distinguished personal record of accomplishment as a United States Marine, from which he retired as a colonel. He is also a former foreign service officer in the United States uh, Foreign Service. He is also a former businessman in East Asia of some renown. We are delighted always to catch up with him. And uh, let me say welcome, Grant. Good to have you back. Well, thanks very much. Glad to be here. As we speak, uh, the meeting at the UN Security Council is in prospect. By the time this program airs, it will have happened. Um, I'd like to do a little crystal ball gazing, though, with you, Grant, based on your close study of what the Chinese Communist Party is up to under Xi Jinping, and in particular, the practice of what's come to be known as wolf warrior diplomacy. Um, Talk a little bit about this uh, Security Council meeting today and what we might expect to hear from the Chinese Foreign Minister Wang Yi, who will be the presiding officer there. Well, I think what you're going to hear is an unapologetic uh, push uh, for Chinese positions on a lot of things. Um, And unapologetic push maybe isn't quite the right word, but rather a very aggressive uh, direct, almost uh, vitriolic uh, statement uh, of what China wants, uh, what China is unhappy with, and what the rest of the world implicitly had better go along with. Uh, you mentioned wolf warrior diplomacy. And what it is is a reference to uh, Chinese diplomats, Chinese officials everywhere uh, going on the attack, uh, just hectoring, uh, demonizing, threatening. Uh, anyone who challenges them. And it used to be said, say, 10 years ago, that China was on a charm offensive, where they were all very nice and smiling and sort of luring the, uh, lulling the opposition into seeing China as just a big bunch of lovable pandas. And now they've switched into this so-called wolf warrior approach, and they've done it intentionally. And it's what everyone's doing. And if you follow China, you notice that the shift in uh, their language and the tone uh, that took place actually starting a few years ago, at least. Uh, and it is uh, it's scary if you're not ready to deal with it. The mask has slipped, in other words. And I think you're right. It was not just 10 years ago, but it, it was really decades of sort of the hide and bide strategy of Deng Xiaoping that was operating that brought us to this present point where we wound up, among other things, enabling the military buildup and the economic warfare and the Belt and Road Initiative and the South China Sea Island building and all the rest that has now given the Chinese a basis from which to believe that they can be bullying, they can be belligerent, and uh, they certainly are. This brings me to a topic that you've studied closely over your years in the Pacific, uh, both as a Marine and the Foreign Service of the United States and in business, Grant Newsom, and that is the issue of Taiwan. Uh, The Economist magazine, widely read in elite circles around the world, has a cover story this week entitled, Taiwan, the most dangerous place on earth. Um, Where are we with respect to the Chinese threats to Taiwan that are making it the most dangerous place on the planet? And what is your assessment of the 
Biden-Harris administration's response to the belligerence of a much more, it seems, kinetic character than uh, the diplomatic type that we're also seeing much of these days. Uh, well, the if the economist caught on to this, it was probably obvious a long time ago, which it was. Uh, but the economist is not wrong, uh, whether it's the most dangerous place one can debate. But China wants Taiwan. It says it is going to take it. And we have to take China at its word, and Xi Jinping in particular, and the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, they have built up the, the military capabilities to launch a uh, just a horrific but perhaps successful assault on Taiwan unless Taiwan gets a lot of help. Uh, additionally, they apply economic pressure on Taiwan, psychological pressure, political pressure. Uh, they've taken away about half of the few countries that uh, did recognize Taiwan. So Taiwan is increasingly isolated and also in international organizations. Uh, so that's the combination of pressure that China is applying, but the military option is the one that gets so much attention. And make no mistake that the, the Chinese have the capability uh, to launch an attack and have and to think they might have a good chance of winning. Uh, but there has been a tendency on our side to think the Chinese just aren't uh, competent enough, will never be our equals, and they're just sort of uh, bragging. But that is that's missing the missing the boat. Now, Grant, you, as I say, are a serious student of these matters. Uh, there is certainly a tradition, going back, I guess, at least to Sun Tzu's time, that it's better to win without fighting if you can. And I think that too has tended to operate here, the belief that the Chinese will simply try to coerce Taiwan into surrender uh, rather than actually, uh, as I say, go kinetic to force them to do so. Um, how do you calculate that as a plan of attack, if you will, uh, of, the, of the, the non-physical kind? Uh, is that still operating? And do you think that it would really prevent them from going to that next war level uh, if they feel that they're not getting their way? Well, China would prefer to get Taiwan without fighting. Uh, from their perspective, that's better in every respect. And that's why they have been, uh, first, the, uh, sort of hectoring uh, the Taiwanese, threatening them. But for a while back, uh, they were actually trying to be nice to Taiwan, sort of, um, getting them hooked uh, economically and financially. Uh, so they say so they do use that kind of pressure, that strategy that you've described, and they would, they're applying it now. They would like it to be the way that they get Taiwan, uh, but they kind of blew it uh, by going after Hong Kong so uh, fiercely. And the Taiwanese saw what is coming for them uh, with the Taiwan model. They don't want it. Uh, it was dicey uh, uh, from Taiwan's perspective even before that. They weren't most people were not all that keen on the Chinese Communist Party, but Hong Kong really uh, just sealed the deal. And the so the Chinese chances for using this sort of so-called non-kinetic approach, I think those are getting worse and worse as long as Taiwan thinks America will defend it. This brings us to the question of whether we will or not. Um, Grant Newsom, you are, among other things, a member of the Committee on the Present Danger of China, which 
I'm very appreciative of your help with that project. And specifically, a recent white paper that the committee prepared about what we should be doing now to try to enhance deterrence, uh, both to give confidence to the Taiwanese that we will help them and to the Chinese that we will oppose them. Um, and one of the principal recommendations of that document was that we abandon the long-standing policy uh, known as strategic ambiguity. Talk us through that, if you would, uh, and why it's vital that we make that course correction now. Well, as you, you note, the U.S. policy for many years, and perhaps forever, has been uh, to leave unclear the question of whether they would fight for Taiwan. And it was thought that that would deter the Chinese because they just couldn't be sure America wouldn't step in. Uh, but they probably see that as a sign that uh, if China is strong enough, that America will not get involved. So we think it means some, one thing. The Chinese think it means another. And so if we're not clear to the Chinese that if you go after Taiwan, it's war with the United States, with everything that involves, you're not clear about that, that China is unlikely to be deterred, but is perhaps more likely to see our silence or our vagueness uh, as a sign that, well, we won't do anything if uh, if the prospects are war with a nuclear armed nation. So that's why we need to change that, or that's what the, the thinking is. Yeah, the, the problem of this kind of uh, ambiguity or uh, other sort of signal sending can be uh, inducive to miscalculation is not a hypothetical. We saw this happen in Korea when Dean Acheson, the then Secretary of State, on the eve of the what proved to be the Korean War, um, signaled that uh, it was outside of our uh, sphere of, of interest and influence. And uh, uh, Joseph Stalin and the North Koreans took him at his word, and the rest, as they say, is history, and a very grim history it is. Um, Grant Newsom, there were a number of other recommendations as to the sorts of things that we could and should be doing, both to enhance what China would perceive as our deterrent capability and, you know, United States military, as well as um, to greatly uh, strengthen uh, Taiwan's ability to resist what's been called the porcupine um, approach. Uh, how important is it that we take such steps now uh, in the hope of avoiding what may well be headed our way in the nature of a war over Taiwan? Well, you've got to take concrete steps uh, to support Taiwan, and that includes giving them uh, access to certain types of weapons, long-range precision weapons in particular, uh, and a lot of them. Uh, we have got to help their military break out of its isolation. It hasn't been allowed to train with anybody for 40 years. So we have to break that isolation, do training with the Taiwanese, demonstrate in concrete terms that we're with them. Uh, that will bolster the, China, the Taiwanese, and it will also uh, give the, the Chinese something uh, serious to, to worry about. Uh, but we have to do, you know, we have to, if, you, if it's just words, the Chinese can size it up, and they know you're not serious. It has to be backed with concrete deeds. Amen to that. Grant Newsom, such important insights. We appreciate your time and your sharing them with us. Come back to us again, if you would, very soon. In the meantime, Keep up the great work you do with the Center for Security Policy and, of course, the Japan Forum for Strategic Studies as well. Thank you, my friend. Next, we will discuss with Trevor Loudon, Chinese influence operations, what they mean for us here, as well as for our children in the future. Straight ahead. 
Go to securefreedomradio.org today. It's your freedom. It's your country. Frank Gaffney's Secure Freedom Radio.